Well, it seems, seems good to get into the Word just for a minute. We're not going to spend a lot of time there. And then we're going to come back to this. You guys good with that? This is really good. You guys good with that? So we're going to hit the Word, and then we're going to come back to this. It's even going to be what the Lord said, right? Higher, further, more than we've expected, more than we've experienced before. You guys can sit down. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Praise the Lord. If you got your Bibles, turn to, turn to Matthew 16. You know, a lot of times the key to going further with God or experiencing more of him or just going beyond what you've seen before is a lot of times it's shedding weight. A lot of times you gotta shed weight to go further. Like there's stuff that's holding people back. And, uh, and I wanna get into one of those because I think that's relevant and it, hopefully this doesn't sound too heavy because it's not really meant to be that way and I know, I know this is the Lord directing me to give this word anyway so it's gonna help us no matter what but the, the way the Lord's taking us and where he's taking us is gonna require us to be uh, nimble, if you will, right? Like you can't be an anchor being dragged along. <laughs> it's time for us to get in the same team, get in the boat, if you will. And, uh, and there's, there's the, a, a concept that Jesus taught and that Paul understood that really led to them experiencing and them fulfilling what God had for them in their time. And, uh, and Jesus talks about it here in Matthew 16, uh, in verse 25, he says this, for whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. And an interesting concept that Jesus brings up that a lot of people, in the, especially in their day, and definitely some in ours, have this, like, wait a second, to, to save it, I have, I'm gonna lose it. If I wanna save it, I, I lose it. If I wanna, what was the, what was the second part? <laughs> but whoever loses it will find it. So I need to lose my life, right? That's, that's what Jesus is preaching. If I lose my life, I will find it. Isn't that what he said? So in us, our life, we all have a life, right? You all, you all are breathing here. Anybody not breathing, you can raise your hand. We'll send someone your way right away. We have a life, what are we doing? Are we losing it or are we trying to save it? You know, the kingdom of God doesn't work when we're asking, what's in it for me? The kingdom of God doesn't work when our motivation is, I hope this really helps me. It just doesn't work. This relationship that we have with the Lord, 
doesn't work when it's, Lord, what's in it for me? Now, the good news, there's so much in it for us. And there's so many things that he's promised. And there's so many good things he has in store for us. And like, it is so good. It's, it's not even funny. Like, we're, like us giving up and losing the life that we have is like the worst exchange on his end. He's getting the worst end of the deal in the history of deals. Like we're getting the better end of the deal. But sometimes we just try to hold on to this life and say, Lord, I want you to make this life better. I have all these things. I want you to help me in these ways. And I'm, I'm wanting God's help and I'm needing his answers to help my life. when it's backwards, according to what Jesus said. He said that if you just give up your life, stop making it about you, stop making it about what, how I feel, how I want, how I, how I like things, and make it about the kingdom, make it about someone else, Ultimately, make it about, Lord, what do you want? What does the Lord want from me? Because if my relationship with God is just a means to an end of me getting what I want, what does that say about, no, no, in God's perspective, he knows the intentions of the heart. He knows everything about us. He knows the reasons and why we do things. Do you think it might bother him a little bit? For example, if I had a relationship, my relationship with my wife, if it was just a means to an end to get what I want, and that was the primary motivation of my relationship, how does that make her feel? What's the motivation of our relationship with God? When we do the right thing, are we, do, are we calculating it and saying, hmm, hopefully this works out well for me. Yep, I have to confess some, something I did wrong to someone. Well, hopefully it goes well. Hopefully I don't like end up in jail or something. And if it ends, ends up with me in jail confessing something I did wrong, then, hmm, maybe I won't do it. Or you recognize this relationship with the Lord is if he's asking me to do something, I have to do it. What if it ends up with, with your life going backwards or something negative is going to happen or there's a negative consequence coming because of what the Lord's asking you to do? By the way, in the natural, many times when the Lord's directing you to do something, it makes no sense. Like sometimes when he's wanting you to believe him for like a car, a new car, he'll have you like give away your car. But I need that for my trade-in, God. I'm gonna go backwards here. But the way God works 
is he wants you to do things not because of how it's going to benefit you. That can't be your motivation. The motivation has to be, I, I have to do what my father says. I have to please him. See, God's a relational God. He's a relational God. He's, he's, he knows everything about you. He knows all the hairs on your head or lack thereof. I'm not gonna point fingers, all right? Some of us get it more down here. He knows every detail of every thought that you've ever had. And he's still madly in love with you. Despite knowing the intentions of our hearts sometimes. He still so wants us, wants to be with us, wants to be close with us, wants us to have such close intimate friendship that it's, it's ridiculous. Like why? Why would, I don't get it. But on our end, it should be pretty easy. It should be, in this regard, it should be pretty easy to give up what we want to give him what he wants because of that whole Jesus on a cross thing. You guys remember that? Remember Jesus went to a cro- went, hung on a cross, he died, he was beaten, he was bruised, he was spit on, says he was beaten beyond the recognition of a man. And he did it not because he was thinking about himself. He wasn't going into this thinking, what's in this for me? No, he modeled what this life looks like. When he laid down his life, he was walking out Matthew 6, 25. Whoever loses his life for my sake finds it. He modeled that for us. And so when he gave up his life for us, it's only right that we would give up our life for him. It's all, it, that's the exchange that took place If you're born again, if you're a believer today, that's the exchange that took place when you got saved. Whether you realize it or not, those were the kind of the conditions of the covenant. And I feel like sometimes most believers today walk around in a relationship with God that's, Lord, add to me. Lord, fix this situation. And now I'm not saying that's wrong. It's, it's right in the sense of he wants to do all of those things and he wants, he wants us to go to him for those reasons. But what's the end motivation? What's the end game? If the end game is so that I can be comfortable, so I can have what I want, it's different than it's, Lord, what do you get out of this? What do you want? See, as, as a son and daughter of God, sometimes he asks us to do things that we don't have the understanding of why he asks us to do them. I don't know if anybody have kids in here. Do you ever ask your kids to do things 
and they don't know why, and you just expect them to follow through with your directive even though they're in the dark, even though they have no idea why they're doing it, you still expect them to do it. And a good parent will train their child in this way and say, you know, I know you wanna know why. I know there's that question in your mind and it's okay to ask why. It's, not, it's just not okay to make the why contingent upon you doing it or not. It's not okay for us to say why and then wait for an answer before you do it. Because yeah. I want my kids to be instantly responsive when I say something because sometimes, hey, get out of the road. <laughs> why? <laughs> and if you don't think that translates to our relationship with God, you're mistaken. Because sometimes you'll say, do this. And if we're sitting there, I wonder if this is gonna work out well for me. All of a sudden something comes and we're in the wrong place at the wrong time. And many, and the, when the Lord gives us a directive, it's always going to end up eventually for our good. He's never gonna lead us into harm's way for the sake of us being harmed. But he might lead you into harm's way to show a victory right in the midst of it. For example, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You guys remember that story? You know, they got led right into a fiery furnace. You know, Daniel got led by the Lord right into a den of lions, but was delivered. Well, God doesn't want me to get eaten by lions, so maybe I should follow what this King Nebuchadnezzar is saying, and I, should, I, I shouldn't pray or worship the real God anymore. I should worship him, because he'll understand. He understands that you know, I need to live. I got like some purpose, and I need to fulfill the call of God in my life. And Sometimes we make decisions rationalizing why, we're not, why we shouldn't obey God. And that rationalization is usually based in this. I gotta make sure my life's saved. I gotta make sure I'm good. I gotta, what about me, God? Rather than, okay, God, whatever you want. Whatever you say goes. Whatever his directive is, is that's what I'm doing. Turn with me to First Corinthians or Second Corinthians. This is this is a, a verse most of you guys probably are aware of, probably have heard before. You guys heard the verse that says, for all the promises of God are yes and amen. Is that what that says? Is that what the verse says? You guys are like, wait a second, it doesn't say that? <laughs> verse 20, first, second Corinthians chapter one, verse 20. For all the promises of God in him are yes and in him 
amen to the glory of God through us. Notice this, the promises of God are not just yes and amen to everyone, to all believers. They're not just, it's not just a yes and amen, the promises of God are just yes and amen to you. Where are they yes and amen? There's a location given where they are yes and amen. It's where? In him. Well, what does that mean? Well, that means, part of that means not in you. If I'm in me, the promise is not yes and amen. The promise is, who knows? Maybe, hopefully, fingers crossed. In him, the promises of God are yes and amen. What does that look like, being in him? Turn with me to Galatians. It's a few short turns to the right, like four pages in my Bible. Galatians. Chapter two and verse 20 says this, I have been crucified with Christ. Paul understood the concept of I lost my life and now I've found it. Here's what it means. I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me and the life which I now live in the flesh I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So Paul said, it's not me who's living anymore. I, I died. I'm a, I'm a dead man writing to you. I've been crucified. It's no longer me who's writing this out. It's now Christ in me who lives through me. And see, that's what it looks like to be in him. It's when we're operating from this place that Paul's writing that we start seeing the promises of God as yes and amen. If I'm still living, if it's still about me, if my primary motivation is still, Lord, bless me. Lord, your promise. I need your promise because of me, 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 me. And we're just a big me monster the promises aren't gonna work for you. Well, why is this person not getting healed? And how come this person's blessed, this person's struggling? And why did this person lose their job and this person's getting promoted? And does, is God showing favoritism amongst his children? No. It's not, that's not the issue. Maybe, maybe one of his kids got the concept that I'm dead. I've died and it's not about me anymore. Jesus said, I must be about my father's business. He said that at age 12. He got this concept pretty young. He said, I must be about my father's business. And so what does it look like being dead to yourself? What does it look like losing your life for his sake? What does that look like? 
Well, it looks like Jesus. That's what it looks like, because it's Christ living through you. So what Jesus did on the earth, if he's gonna live in you and live through you, then guess what? He's just gonna continue doing what he did when he was here. He didn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now, when I say your life looks like Jesus's, your mind probably goes to one of two areas. It probably goes to either, man, Jesus didn't sin. Like he lived perfectly righteous. Not one time did he make a mistake. How am I gonna do that? Or it goes to another spot where it says, man, Jesus, he did like crazy miracles. And he raised the dead. And he had blind eyes open. Raise your hand if your mind went, when I said your life looks like Jesus, it went to either both or one, one or two of those different areas. All right, like a third of you. Some of you guys just aren't complying, that's okay. <laughs> but is that, what, is that what it looks like? Because the miracles that Jesus did and the righteousness in which he lived didn't, how did, how did he do those things? Did he just do them because that's who he was and that's what he does? And No, if you remember, he gave us a key when he said this. He said, I only do what I see the Father do and I only say what I hear the Father say. Goes back to this relationship. Goes back to this, it's not about me. It's not about doing what I wanna do. It's not about this life. It's about, I need to be about my father's business. So when we're walking like Jesus walked, when we look like Jesus on the earth, it's going to be because we're getting directives from God moment by moment, detail by detail, in constant communion with our father. You know, it's, it's sad, but I feel like God's called each one of us to such a deep relationship with him. And I think someday we're gonna stand before him and give an account for the relationship that we had with him on earth. And it's gonna be uh, brutal for some. And others, it's gonna be well done, good and faithful servant. You know, when he, when, when he, the disciples, he was talking to the disciples and he said, he said, many on that day will say to me, Lord, Lord, he said, we cast out demons in your name and we healed the sick and we did all these, all these things in your name. And what's Jesus gonna turn to them and say? He says, depart from me for I never knew you. It just comes back to relationship every single time. And that's what the Lord's desiring is a relationship where you're just not in it for yourself. 
He's desiring a relationship where you understand that you've been bought. You understand your life isn't your own anymore. A relationship where it's like, whatever he says, whatever he says to do, I'm, I'm in it. Maybe, maybe you're pretty wealthy. Maybe like if Jesus came to you like he did the rich young ruler in Mark chapter 10, and he told the rich young ruler, sell everything you have, give it all to the poor, come and follow me. And what did he do? The Bible says that he was sad at this word and walked away for he had great possessions. Jesus wanted a relationship, but there was something holding him back, holding this rich young ruler back. It was his life. It was everything about him. See, the, 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 the first commandment, have no other gods before me. I think there's a problem in, in the church, at least the Western church, where the God before, that we set before the Lord is us. And we make it about us instead of him. And God's called us to go so much further. He wants to show you things. He wants to provide for you. He wants to, he's gonna do mighty miracles for you, with you and through you and for you. He's gonna do all these things. But it's not in this place of, okay, it's a, let's, let's just take care of me first. Let's just keep thinking, is this gonna work? How is this gonna work out in my interest? What am I gonna have to give up for this? What's the Lord gonna tell me to give up? Can I tell you? If he tells you to give something up, if he, if he directs you to do that, it's gonna be so awesome once you do. And anything that he calls you to give up, and, I'm, and I know that, that there's a broad number of people here to where that could be a lot of different things. But once on the other side of you giving it up, you're not gonna be like, man, I wish I, was, I still had that. I wish I still had this habit, or I wish I still did this activity, or I wish I was still drinking this or eating this, or I wish I was still doing these things. You're gonna get to the other side of it, giving it up because he led you to, saying, wow, I didn't know that was holding me back. I didn't know that that was the, the thing that was causing me to sit there and I wish, I wish life was better. I wish this Christian life that, that, that pastor so-and-so talks about, you know, the, the life that Jesus said, the abundant type of life, I wish I had that. Most of the time, the reason we're not experiencing that is because there's something holding us back. There's something weighing us down that we need to give up that sometimes we're not willing to because it's like, well, what about me? What, what's in that for me if I give that up? Come on, G God gave up Jesus for you. God gave up Jesus for us, guys. Do, can you wrap your head around giving up your only son? Can I, can I tell you, it worked out well for him because Jesus, he still has Jesus now. Not only Jesus, but look, he's got all of us. 
Giving things up lets us go further. Giving things up gets us into a better place. Ultimately, though, giving things up is what pleases your father when he tells you to. It's what pleases him. And that's gotta be our motivation. You know, I had this thought the other day. I was sharing it with Pastor Bill, but I had this thought the other day. If being married, right, do I want my wife to not have an affair because of selfish reasons? Like this, right? Do I want her to think, well, what are people gonna think of me? What about the kids? What about um, STDs? <laughs> what about all, the, all those things? What about finances? Like if, if a, a divorce always ends with finances always going really bad, right? Do I want her to not have an affair because she's motivated by all of those reasons? because of what's in it for her? Or ultimately, do I want her to not have an affair and her, her motivation being, I just don't wanna hurt him. I don't wanna have to look him in the eyes and say, yeah, that happened. And the pain that that's gonna bring. And ultimately, guys, with our relationship with the Lord and what he asked us to do, a sin's a sin's a sin. There's no difference in heaven and there's no difference, there's no difference with the Lord. And James even says to him who knows to do good, which is any directive that you get from God and doesn't do it to him, it is sin. So any directive that we get from the Lord and we say, eh, but what's in it for me? I wanna do this. The Lord said, give this up. Lord, I'm, I don't wanna disappoint you. I wanna put a smile on your face. I want you to not just be pleased with me and who I am as your son. I want you pleased with every action that I do. Rather than, man, yeah, if I, do what, if I don't do what the Lord says, yeah, there's probably some negative things in it for me, but at least I get to keep this and at least this, 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 and I'm gonna weigh out the pros and the cons of making this decision. I want, I, I know how the Lord thinks. He doesn't want you motivated by you thinking about how it's going to affect you. He wants you motivated by this relationship that you have with him you know, one of the scriptures talks about how the Holy Spirit can be grieved. Do you know you can grieve God? You can grieve him. You can, like to, to think that there's possibilities of, and times where I know I've grieved God, decisions that I made and directives that he gave me, and I was like, yeah, I don't know. Like that's a real possibility and a real thing that happens where we grieve the Lord. How sad. And it's like, well, he's a big boy, right? He can take it. He's, he's a tough guy. 
but this is the one who gave up everything for you. This is the one who laid down his life for you to avoid hell, for you to not have to live in sin your whole life, for you to have all the promises that are in him, for you to have a life that's full of victory, for you to have a life that's so stinking good, like he gave up everything for you to have the good life. And, and by the way, all of his directives are eventually designed to get you there. It's to produce that in you. But if my relationship is, well, Lord, let me think about how that works for me. Let me see how that plays out in my life. And, and let, me, let me calculate and see if I do things that way and I listen to you if it's gonna actually work out in my best interest. Guys, many times it looks like it's not going to. Many times the giving up of what he's calling you to give up looks like I'm going backwards. But whatever it is, it's gonna lead us into a place of life. Amen? It's gonna lead us into a place of things going really well. And so we're gonna, I wanna get back into worship. And there was, the, there was that last song um, that we sang. And it was talking about how in his presence, everything will bow. In his presence, everything bows. And really, this dying to yourself is an act of bowing. It's an act of getting on your knee figuratively and saying, Lord, I'm gonna do things your way because I want to do what pleases you. In his presence, there's no disobedience. There's no, there's no stiff re resistance that is gonna end with you having a better life. In his presence is the fullness of joy. There's life. In his presence, there's answers. There's clarity. There's directives. And in his presence, everything bows its knee. Come on, when the king walks in, everyone bows. When the king walks in, every, every, everyone bows. And so we're gonna take that posture in our heart of I'm bowing my knee to you. I want what you want, God. Whatever it is that you want me to do, I'm your man. Whatever it is you want me to for, forget and to give up, the answer is yes. Watch what happens. Watch what happens to your marriage. Watch what happens to your finances. Watch what happens in your kid's life. Watch what happens in your body when you just take this posture. Lord, it's not about me. It's all about you. Even worship, when we're about to worship right now, it's not about what I wanna do. It's not about what I like in worship. It's not about my preference of song. Lord, I want this to please you. I want this to be something that just glorifies you. I want it to honor you. I want it to be all about you.
The life we're called to live is a separated life. It's separated from the world. You can't be connected to the world and connected to God at the same time. The life that's all about you, which is how the world lives, is in direct opposition to all about the king. And it's just not gonna work. If your life looks a lot like the life you lived prior to being saved, then maybe you're still all about you. If your life is still going the same direction and there's not really any changes in your behavior, in your attitudes, then maybe you haven't like lost your life for his sake yet. Because the new way of doing things is it looks just like Jesus. If, you're, if your life still looks like you're grumpy all the time, you treat people terribly all the time, you still hold grudges and you still deal with bitterness about what, hap- what someone does to you, maybe your life hasn't been lost yet. And maybe that's why some of the promises that you're saying, Lord, what's going on? How come I'm not seeing these things? Lord, I wanna go further with you. Lord, take me deeper. Show me more of the move of the spirit, Lord. Let me see crazy cool stuff happen. Well, it's just not going to with it being all about you. You'll just miss it. It'll just pass you right on by. Like Pastor Bill opened up with, just will pass you right on by, just unaware. Somebody else right next to you, they'll get hit with the Holy Ghost. Life changed, encounter with God, never the same. You'll be like, what's going on? I thought, if God can do it for that person, can he do it for me? Yeah, but it takes us saying, Lord, it's not about me anymore. I want it to be all about you. So that means it changes my heart, changes my attitude, changes how I live, and ultimately it changes the way God and I relate. Because now this relationship is, I want to do what you want me to do. Even if it looks like it's gonna go backwards, even if life looks like it's gonna go down, even if it looks like I'm gonna die, I'm gonna do what God wants me to do. And that, in that relationship, there's so much freedom and there's so much guarantees of things going right. Because if he tells you to do something, it's gonna work out. But if it's just about you doing whatever you wanna do, good luck. Hopefully luck is a real thing for you. That's all you gotta go on. But you can know how things are gonna turn out. You can be assured the way things are going to end up when you give up your ambition, your way of doing things, it working out well for you. When you say, Lord, I just want it to go your way. I just want your plan to happen. I don't care if that means me scrubbing toilets in a church building for the rest of my life. I don't care if that means me 
changing diapers in the nursery for the rest of my life. I don't care if that means whatever the worst possible scenario you could picture for your life. You know, do you guys remember Joseph? We'll start worship right after this. You guys remember Joseph in the Bible? He got promised, he got shown. He was gonna, he was gonna rule over his brothers. And so he's telling his brothers this and they first try to murder him and eventually like felt bad enough. They're like, eh, let's just sell him into slavery instead. <laughs> sell him into slavery and Joseph could be like, God, I thought I was following your plan. I thought I was going your direction. What's up with this whole slavery business? And then he goes and he gets to be a servant of, a, of Potiphar, a wealthy man. Potiphar recognizes how faithful Joseph is and sets him over all the affairs of his house and He's getting promoted and he's got a good life. He's like, yeah, I knew it. Living this life for the Lord, here we go. And then Potiphar's wife accuses him wrongly of coming on to her. And Potiphar believes his wife over Joseph, sends him to prison. Now he's in prison, that's even worse than slavery. It's even worse than being a head servant in a household. Lord, thought I was doing things your way. Thought I was doing your plan. What's up with all this prison business? Little did Joseph know it was a setup to get him in front of the Pharaoh of Egypt to where Joseph was then promoted second in charge, goes from the very bottom of the rung, the very bottom of, of, of society to second in charge over all of Egypt ends up ruling over his brothers just like the Lord told, told him he would. Brought everything, every promise to pass. Joseph's heart and all of it, I wanna do what the Lord wants. I'm not in this for me. He could have been discouraged in the times where it looked bad. He could have been down in the times where he thought things weren't going his way. But ultimately, God got him right where he was supposed to be. Because he was, he was true to the relationship. Lord, I want to do what pleases you. I want to be about your business. Amen? You guys ready to worship? Let's lay it all at his feet tonight. Let's bow the knees of our heart tonight. Let's give him everything that he deserves. Let's not make this about us anymore. Let's not make the promises of God just about us. Let's, let's recognize I need to have Christ living through me in that place, that's where all the promises of God are yes and amen. Amen? Come on, let's stand up. Let's worship the Lord.